haven't seen the most recent episode of Game of Thrones? What? Well, if you don't want to be spoiled about that episode, then come back to this podcast after you've watched. Hope you enjoy. Donald, what about you? Uh, any comments on the House of Black and White stuff with Arya? I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out, you know, what, is this just uh, a funeral home? Is that what this place is? It seems like they were doing mortician work to me. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. Now, I have to be honest, Matt. Before I talk about this chapter, I have to talk about that. I know last week's podcast, we had some tough audio quality, but that was no reason to cut the podcast short when we had such a lengthy discussion of Joffrey 1. You're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Clearly, you all didn't listen to my two ARIA podcasts. Yeah. Hey, hey, Matt, we listened. We just didn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> And now, here's your host, Matt Murdock. Welcome to Podcast Winterfell, episode 304 of the podcast, our second look of three regarding Tyrion Lannister from a TV perspective. My name is Matt Murdock from podcastwinterfell.com, and I am still on my 2017 crusade against the Bloviators. All of us who, as podcasters about Game of Thrones, who think that our opinions are so important that it inflates our ego, we're not going to do that here anymore. Oh yeah, I'm going to give you this straight talk about Tyrion, but I'm not really going to tell you anything that you don't already know. Instead, I prefer to listen to the creativity of our listeners, like Priscilla on Facebook, who says this, Gilly looks like that secretary that has made the wrong hotel reservation for her boss, but in trying to fix it has been placed on hold by customer service for the past 40 minutes. Yes. Yes. Priscilla, you get the show. You get the idea. And I would love to hear your Game of Thrones TV character look like just like that. That's perfect. That was awesome. Much better than any of the ones that I've come up with. Absolutely love that. Uh, you can, of course, go to podcastwinterfeld.com and find the links to send me yours. You can call 314-669-1840, or you can tweet at WinterfellPod, or you can send an email to podcastwinterfell at gmail.com. Again, you can find all of those links at podcastwinterfell.com, as well as links to our podcast apps, where if you take the time to leave me a written review... At some point in a future episode during this space, I am pre-recording these, but at some point in a future episode during this space, I will thank you for leaving your written review. Might even quote you, especially if you're really slamming the show, uh, because that's part of the fun, too. I, I, like I said, I, I'm just sick of bloviating about Game of Thrones, about using sound bites it seems like every single podcast has about this particular show. It's a great show. We all love this show. And you know just as much about it as I do. I'm just the guy that gets to get out here on the internet and tell you what you already know. And hopefully add my own thoughts, which you will say, well, that's interesting. It's not right, but it's interesting. 
I'm all about making fun of myself and all of the rest of us that cover this show this year. It's my 2017 crusade. And we're going to have special episodes with a really funny guy and a guy who takes things seriously sometimes too and doesn't care what you think about his opinion. Donald, that's at Donald JR on Twitter. He will be joining me in an upcoming episode to talk about the White Walkers. We're also going to have some of our great panelists who have appeared in the past who actually do know their stuff and tend to make good jokes making fun of me, who doesn't know his stuff as much, about how A Song of Ice and Fire theories are being deflated or inflated by the fact that the television show is caught up to the books. That's coming up in a couple of episodes as well. So stick around for that if you're a book reader and you're interested as to whether Euron is, in fact, Dario. That's all I'll say about that. And that's probably all I'll say about the podcast this week. Uh, so let's get right back into Tyrion, Master of Coin, Part 2 of 3. In the last episode, we primarily looked at Tyrion in the light of how his youth shaped him, as well as his interactions with his own family and other houses. We also looked at his time as Hand of the King from a certain standpoint, but now we must look at a few key relationships in regards to what has helped shape a great deal of his decisions as Hand of the King and also as Master of Coin. And of course, the two prevailing relationships as to who Tyrion spent the most time with would be his sellsword protector slash friend, Bronn, and his companion slash prostitute, Shay. We'll begin with Bronn, who has had many interactions with Tyrion since season one, and because of that, has also had interactions with all of Tyrion's immediate family as well, especially Tyrion's brother, Jaime. It is established very early on that Bronn is in this mainly, if not completely, for the money when he gives up his room at the end of the crossroads for Tyrion, a room that really never gets used because Catelyn places Tyrion under arrest. But Bronn stays with Tyrion through the trial at the Vale and fights for the Lannisters as a sellsword against Rob's decoy army, and Tyrion keeps Bronn under his employ as he goes to King's Landing because Tyrion feels he needs protection. But note that Bronn never truly declares a complete allegiance or loyalty to Tyrion as a person, only to Tyrion's money. Now, I will admit there is a camaraderie that is developed between the two, but there's a distinction between a friendship loyalty and a loyalty to money, of course. I'm sorry, my lord. We'll fill up every room. My men can sleep in the stable. As for myself, I don't require a large room. Truly, my lord. We have nothing. Is there nothing I can do to remedy this? You can have my room. Now, there's a clever man. You first. You need a woman. Nothing like a woman after a fight. I'm willing if she is. Now I demand a champion. I have that right, same as you. My lady. I would gladly fight Yim's champion for you. I wouldn't be too glad, sir. I name my brother, Jamie Lannister. The Kingslayer is hundreds of miles from here. Send a raven for him. I'm happy to wait. 
The trial will be today. Do I have a volunteer? Anyone? Anyone? I think we can assume that no one is willing to... I'll stand for the dwarf. You don't fight with honor. No. He did. Can I make the little man fly now? Not this little man. This little man is going home. I should just take your food and leave you here. Okay? What would you do then? Starve, most likely. You don't think I'd do it, do you? What do you want, Bron? Gold? Women? Golden women? Stick with me and you'll have them all. For as long as I'm around and not a moment longer. But you knew that. That is why you so valiantly took up arms to defend my honor. Fair enough. But don't go looking for me to bend the knee and the Lord yet. I'm not your toady and I'm not your friend. Though I would treasure your friendship, I'm mainly interested in your facility with murder. And if the day ever comes when you're tempted to sell me out, remember this. Whatever their price, I'll beat it. I like living. Your father beat you. But my mother hit harder. You killed your first man before you were 12. It was a woman. She swung an axe at me. You've been north of the wall. What brought you up there? Work. And? You once loved a woman many years ago, but it turned out badly, so you've never let yourself love again. Oh, wait, that's me. Look at you. Oh, more beautiful than ever. And you, you're going to be bigger than the hound, but much better looking. <laughs> this one doesn't like me. Can't imagine why. The lads will escort you. The streets aren't safe at night, my lord. These men are under my command. I command you to arrest this cutthroat. His name is Brom, and he is the new commander of the City Watch. Boys. I have friends at court. Powerful friends. The king himself made me a lord. To the new commander. If I told you to murder an infant girl, say, still at her mother's breast, would you do it without question? Without question? No. I'd ask how much. Stannis has more infantry, more ships, more horses. What do we have? Is that mind of yours you keep going on about? Well, I've never actually been able to kill people with it. Good thing. I'd be out of a job. To the tune of a twisted demon monkey. <laughs> you have to admire his imagination. He's talking about you. What? Demon monkey? People think you're pulling the king's strings. 
They blame you for the city's ills. Blame me? Trying to save them. You don't need to convince me. Do you have to do that here? I like to keep my hands clean. Yes, but do you have to do it here? You should start wearing the gold cloak. I don't want to wear a gold cloak. You're commander of the city watch. You shouldn't be dressed like a common salesman. The cloak slows you down in a fight. Makes it hard to move quietly. And the gold catches the light, so you're nice and easy to spot at night. Well, you're not sneaking through alleyways any longer. You're supposed to stand out. We had a deal. And wearing a gold cloak wasn't part of it. Fine, fine. No gold cloak. What? 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 Why are you staring at me? You don't want me cleaning my nails? You don't want me looking your way? Why am I here? To help me plan the defense of King's Landing. <laughs> Stennis will be here any day. And one of these explains how to beat him. I'd swap all your books for a few good archers. It's just the unknown fees we need to worry about now. We talked about this. Aye, we talked about it. Have you ever been in a city under siege? Maybe this part's not in your books. See, it's not the fighting that kills most people. It's the starving. Food's worth more than gold. Noble ladies sell their diamonds for a sack of potatoes. Things get bad enough. The poor start eating each other. The thieves, they love a siege. Soon as the gates are sealed, they steal all the food. By the time it's all over, they're the richest men in town. Given the circumstances, my lord, I believe extreme measures are warranted. Remember, wait until the ships are... The ships are... are in the bay. They must be far enough in so I they won't be... I know what in means. Do you know how to use that? Chopped wood once. No, I watched my brother chopping wood. I saw you kill a man with a shield. You'll be unstoppable with an axe. Don't get killed. Nor you, my friend. Oh. Are we friends now? Of course we are. Just because I pay you for your services doesn't diminish our friendship. Enhances it, really. Oh, enhances. Fancy word for a sellsword. Been spending time with fancy folks. Now there's a lot in there. And that is just kind of a limited sample of their relationship up to the Battle of the Blackwater. One key note to make is that Bronn never really shows complete loyalty to Tyrion, but rather mostly to his money. It's clear that Bronn has had a great deal of real-world knowledge that he is more than willing to share with Tyrion, but it doesn't seem to be shared with Tyrion out of a true friendship. Again, camaraderie is definitely displayed, but there's no sense of true loyalty, despite the fact that Tyrion would like for it to be so. However, Tyrion did set the condition to Bronn very early on, as we heard, that while he might enjoy them being friends, he also understands that this is more of a business transaction than anything. But, because Bronn is being placed in positions, and with people, because of his association with Tyrion, we note that in the last Blackwater clip, that his motivations may already be changing by that point. He questions whether they are friends, and puts in a context that friendship, while enhancing, in other words, just being a nice bonus, while enhancing their relationship, doesn't necessarily define the relationship. And you start to get the idea that Bronn has been gaining on his own without Tyrion's help since serving as the commander of the Gold Cloaks. 
And then this is where things begin to change slowly over time, where Tyrion realizes that friendship simply cannot be bought. When Tyrion loses his position as Hand of the King, Bronn also loses his position as Commander of the Goldcloaks. And so to Bronn, Tyrion, rather than becoming his launching point towards the things that he wants, instead Tyrion must return to being his fallback position once again. But Bronn has now had a taste of that life that he ultimately wants, but to date has yet to truly get. Now, during this time period, going between Tyrion going from Hand to Master of Coin up until his trial, Bronn does remain loyal to Tyrion's money, and does continue to offer camaraderie and even consolation to Tyrion. But clearly, his loyalty doesn't extend all that much past Tyrion's money. Yes, there is a friendship, but not a friendship that is defined by complete loyalty. We've heard Bronn say that he wouldn't do things without questioning them, but typically that question is, how much? There does continue to be an exchange of ideas, Bronn from the grubby side of life point of view, and an effort by Tyrion to continue to educate Bronn, which ironically prepares Bronn even further for the next phase of his life, better than Bronn's advice ends up helping Tyrion. Look at these two shining warriors. Sir Tarin Mant and uh, Sir Who's It of Who Cares. Sir Meryn Trant. Sir Bronn of the Blackwater. You're no knight. Pod. Sir Bronn of the Blackwater was anointed by the king himself. You're an up-jumped cutthroat. Nothing more. That's exactly who I am. Since I appreciate a walk in the sunshine, your lordship, I am wondering why you sent for me. A number of people in this city want you to kill me. You're here to protect me. I've been doing that for a while now. You grow bored protecting me? I grow poor protecting you. Poor? Poor. Under my patronage, you've become a knight. You've served as commander of the city watch. Briefly. I'm sure you filled your pockets. And now my pockets are empty. You've given me a taste for the finer things. And if you want me to carry on protecting you, you'll need to pay more. I thought we were friends. We are. But I'm a sellsword. I sell my sword. I don't loan it out to friends as a favor. How much? Double. Double? I'm a knight now. Knights are worth double. I don't even know how much I'm paying you now. Which means you can afford it. For years, I've heard that Littlefinger is a magician. Whenever the crown needs money, he rubs his hands together and poof, mountains of gold. Let me guess, he's not a magician. No. He's stealing it? Worse, he's borrowing it. What's wrong with that? We can't afford to pay it back, that's what's wrong with it. The crown owes millions to my father. I imagine he'll forgive that debt. Forgive a debt, my father. For a man of the world, you're strangely naive. I've never borrowed money before. I'm not clear on the rules. Well, the basic principle is, I lend you money, and after an agreed-upon period of time, you return it with interest. And what if I don't? Well, you have to. But what if I don't? This is why I don't lend you money. Anyway, it's not my father I'm worried about. It's the Iron Bank of Brothers. We owe them tens of millions. If we fail to repay these loans, the bank will fund our enemies. One way or another, they always get their gold back. She's a child. She's a foot taller than you. A tall child. What's the youngest you've ever had? Not that young. How much older? Older? 
You're a lord, she's a lady. And a beauty at that. I don't see the problem. Shay isn't going to like it. Shay is a whore. Are you going to marry her? Eh? How did marrying a whore work out for you the first time? I should never have told you about that. You want Shay? Keep her. Wed one and bed the other. All you have to do is get a son in the Stark girl. He'll be Lord of Winterfell one day. You can rule the North in his name. You'll have two women and a whole kingdom of your own. Two women to despise me and a whole kingdom to join them. You waste time trying to get people to love you. You'll end up the most popular dead man in town. I don't pay you to put evil notions in my head. The ones already there don't need company. You pay me to kill people who bother you. Evil notions come free. And of course, at the time of the Purple Wedding, Tyrion trusts Bronn most in securing Shay safely on a boat to Essos. And more on that when we get to Shay. But it is at the Purple Wedding and the accusation that Tyrion killed King Joffrey that Bronn must finally see that even his, quote, fallback position is no longer really available to him. And he ultimately makes a deal that betrays Tyrion in a way while bettering himself. Now, it's clear that Bronn feels bad for Tyrion's situation in regards to having to find a champion to face the mountain in the trial by combat, but it certainly isn't enough for Bronn, who has already made a better deal for himself with Cersei, to risk that life and future wealth. All taken care of. You saw her board the ship. Aye, she's on it. And you saw the ship sail away? No one knows she's there but you, me, and Varys. How do you know? Because if someone follows me without an invitation, I'm the last person they ever follow. Is someone following you? She's gone. I know you don't want to believe it, but she is. Now, go drink until it feels like you did the right thing. You're a rare talent. And you're fighting cripples, anyway. You learned to fight like a good little boy. I bet that thrust through the Mad King's back was pretty as a picture. You want to fight pretty or you want to win? Did you talk to my brother this way? All the time. He got used to it. Do you think he did it? No. And poison's not his style. Or murder, for that matter. You want to know for sure, why don't you ask him? You haven't been to see him yet, eh? We're done for today. Your brother ever tell you how I came into his service? He stood for him in his trial by combat at the Erie. Aye. But only when Lady Aaron demanded the trial take place that day. You were his first choice. He named you for his champion because he knew you would ride day and night to come fight for him. You're going to fight for him now? My lord. You have new clothes. Do you like them? Eh? Gloves are doeskin. Softer than virgin's thighs. I sent for you days ago. I've been a bit busy. Doing what? My lonesome bachelor days are over. I'm to wed Lollis Stokeworth. Lollis Stokeworth? 
She doesn't strike me as your sort of girl. I wouldn't say I have a single sort of girl. She's dim-witted. If I wanted wits, I'd marry you. When my sister arranged this love match, did she mention that Lawless has an older sister? Felice. Aye, I did know about the older sister. Then you understand the rules of inheritance. Felice is 40 in Baron. She still gets Castle Stokeworth when her father dies. She does. Unless she happens to perish before her father, then Lawless gets the castle. What? Ladies fall from their horses and snap their pretty necks all the time. You and my sister deserve each other. Why did you bother to come here? You once said, if anyone ever asked me to sell you out, you'd double their price. Is it two wives you want all two castles? One of each you do. But if you want me to kill the mountain for you, it better be a damn big castle. I'm a bit short on costs at the moment, but I can offer you gold in gratitude. I have gold. What can I buy with gratitude? You might be surprised. Lannister always pays his debts. Your sister's a Lannister, too. My wife is heir to Winterfell. If I emerge from this with my head still on my shoulders, I may one day rule the North in her name. I could carve you out a big piece of it. If and may and could. It's bloody cold up North. Lollis is soft and warm and close. Does he frighten you so much? I'd be a bloody fool if he didn't frighten me. He's freakish big and freakish strong. And quicker than you'd expect for a man of that size. Maybe I could take him. Dance around until he's so tired of hacking at me he dropped his sword. Get him off his feet somehow. But one misstep and I'm dead. Why should I risk it? Because you're my friend. Aye, I'm your friend. And when have you ever risked your life for me? I like you. I just like myself more. I understand. I'm sorry it has to be this way. Why are you sorry? Because you're an evil bastard with no conscience and no heart, that's what I liked about you in the first place. We had some good days together. Yes, we did. I'll have to kill the mountain myself. Won't that make for a great song? I hope to hear them sing it one day. And though, because it was deleted from the episode The Lion and the Rose, we really can't consider this canon. I do feel that Dave and Dan wrote a very interesting perspective as to why Bronn ultimately would have even considered Cersei's proposal. In the deleted scene, right after Tyrion sent Shay away, Bronn tells Shay that he is getting older, and that being just a sellsword for a living is not likely to promote a very long life, that he must adapt and change. And that is what he is doing when he accepts Cersei's offer. Additionally, this little talk might partially explain why Shay had such a drastic change of heart 
and acted with such ferocity against Tyrion. You didn't really think it was forever, did you? These people, even the good ones, they use us as they please. And when we're no longer any use, they spit us out, find someone else they like. Look at me. You ever seen an old sellsword? No such thing. Every day, I'm a little bit slower. These kids coming up, can do all manner of madness with their blades. Moves I never dreamt of. We have to adapt to circumstances, is what I'm saying. Learn some new tricks. Come along. I've got a wedding to get to. Now, here are some interesting questions to think about. Tyrion, once again, will be returning to Westeros with Danny, or at least we hope. Will Bronn be forced to choose between Jaime and Tyrion? And if so, who will he choose? In the last few months, I've actually become a person who just loathes making predictions. Too many podcasts are kind of shouting their own hot takes and predictions, trying to do so by screaming all of these things over the top of their competition. And instead, I just like to ask the questions. And I'm willing to wait for the answers and actually react to those answers rather than have some little snippet of my, quote, theory, which is really nothing more than speculations at this point, not theories, taking, you know, one snippet of what I said and then claiming to be right, shouting that over the top of everyone else who took their own little snippets that were right and doing the exact same thing. But that really doesn't mean we shouldn't be asking the questions, right? And you don't have to write in with your answers because I I don't want to make you listeners into the kind of same shouting mob as the podcasters. I just want you to ask these questions to yourselves and get excited that probably at some point we might get these answers to these questions. So ask yourself, is what Jamie has promised Braun, but not yet really delivered to Braun enough to keep him on a side against Tyrion, who for the most part during Braun's relationship did keep his promises to Braun? The other key person who, of course, changed Tyrion's life a great deal early on in the story from where we picked it up and throughout his time as Hand of the King and Master of Coin was Shay, who we mentioned briefly in both casts so far. But before we get into examining how Shay was an influence on Tyrion's political life and his personal life, I do want to take a brief look at a person who was the epitome of loyalty that Tyrion might have hoped to get from a Shay or Bronn, but did not. And that is Podrick Payne. It seems like a great twist of irony that the most loyal of all of Tyrion's entourage, so to speak, during his political life was the person that Tyrion ultimately had to send away in order to save the boy. After all, if it had not been for Podrick's actions, killing that Kingsguard Sir Mandon Moore during the Battle of Blackwater, Tyrion would have never survived. Podrick served as a loyal squire to Tyrion and did his best to protect Tyrion from any kind of danger up until the time of the trial when Tyrion had to send Podrick away. What exactly did you do for Lord Tyrion? I brought him his meals and cleared his table when he was finished. 
kept his clothing and linens clean, carried his messages and returned the replies. Mostly I poured wine. Whilst in Lord Tyrion's service, did you ever do anything remotely related to combat? I killed a man. Who? King's guard. He tried to kill Lord Tyrion at the Blackwater. How did you kill a king's guard? I pushed a spear through the back of his head. Podrick, is that it? Is that it? Nice touch. As if you don't know the name of every boy in town. I'm not entirely sure what you're suggesting. I'm entirely sure you're entirely sure what I'm suggesting. Do you trust him? Oddly enough, I do. Find Bronn or Varus. Tell them I am here with Maester Pycelle. Tell them I am very much alive. Yes, my lord. Sir Bronn. Sir Bronn. I didn't hear that. Uh, apologies, sir. Back away. Keep backing away till you're outside this establishment, then back away some more. Lord Tyrion sent me. I will murder you, boy. He said it was a matter of life and death. Podrick, do keep up. Yes, my lord. Podrick? Yes, my lord. After a long consultation with my colleague, Sir Bronn, I finally found a suitable reward for the services you've provided over and above what might be considered reasonable. Tell me, Pod. Have you ever been with a woman? Oh, my lord. Wonderful. Jenna specializes in first-timers. She's not bad with second-timers, either. Ah, uh, my lord. A fair enough repayment for putting your spear through my would-be killer's face, wouldn't you say? Now, as it happens, Marae is quite the spear handler herself. She's here to thank you for staying by my side as the battle raged all around me. He's handsome. You didn't tell me he was handsome. Caleb is famous from here to Volantis in certain circles. One of four women in the world who can perform a proper Miranese knot. My lord, I don't even... She's here to thank you for being a thoroughly respectful fellow who's never once failed to address me as my lord. Be back in time for my supper. Ah, the return of the conquering hero. Does he have a little jaunt in his step? The lad's practically skipping. You were gone a long time. I trust you got your money's worth, or should I say my money's worth? Oh, it was a gift, Podrick. This is more than I give you in a year. He's a squire. You don't pay him. Oh, then it's much more than I give you in a year. I wouldn't take it, my lord. Maybe they're trying to curry some favor with the new master of coin. Have you ever known a whore to turn down gold? They were happy enough to take it when I gave it to them. What did you tell them? I didn't tell them anything. What did you do to them? Lots of things. And they seem to like these things? Yes, my lord. Of course they seem to like it. They're paid to seem to like it. Only they weren't paid. 
What are you saying? These ladies enjoyed him so much they gave him the time for free. Is that what you're telling us? Sit down, Podrick. <clears throat> We're going to need details. Copious details. Can you read the sigils? Yellow balls, wild lemons in a purple field. House dolt of lemon wood. A vulture grasping a baby in its talons. House Blackmont, crowned skull. The man woodies of King's Grave. Boy knows his Dornish houses. I need a sigil. And House Martell, a red sun pierced by a spear. I don't see it, my lord. Podrick. Apologies for the stench. I brought you some wine, my lord, but they took it from me. A noble effort. I didn't find the candles, though. A quill, some parchment, duck sausage, almonds, and some hard cheese. You're a good lad. Any word of shame? I've heard nothing, my lord. Suppose that's a good thing. What are they saying about me out there? You're to stand trial in a fortnight for murdering the king. Do you believe I murdered Joffrey? No, my lord. You didn't. No. Gods, no. The world is a better place without him, but I had nothing to do with it. I would like to think, if I were arranging a royal assassination, I'd plan it in such a way that I wouldn't be standing there gawking like a fool when the king died. Trial in a fortnight. Have they announced the judges yet? Your father? Of course. Mace Tyrell? Who will vote exactly as my father tells him to vote. Prince Oberon of Dawn. Oberon? Give it to my father. He never fails to take advantage of a family tragedy. I'm supposed to get a list of names from you, my lord. Anyone who might testify on your behalf. Oh, I can call my own witnesses. How generous of them. Very well, my wife, Sansa. My lord, she's gone. Gone? No one's seen her since the wedding. You don't think she... No one had more cause to kill Joffrey than Sansa. But the girl's no assassin. Whoever killed the king wanted me to lose my head for it. And with my wife's disappearance, it makes me seem that much more guilty. Podrick. Yes, my lord. They'll be following you now. Who will? I don't know. They, they, the ominous they. The man pulling the strings. Or woman, my father. Maybe Joffrey was too much work for him. Sweet Tommen would be so much easier to handle. Whenever something bad happens to me, I assume it's my sister that had a hand in it. But say what you will of Cersei. She loves her children. She is the only one I'm certain had nothing to do with this murder. Which makes it unique, as King's Landing murders go. Any other witnesses, my lord? Varys could vouch for me if he dared. He's already been called as a witness for the Queen. Of course. Fetch Bronn. I have a job for him. I've already asked, my lord. They won't let him see you. Why not? They say he's a known cutthroat and your close associate. He's under investigation himself. And my brother. Will they at least allow me to see Jamie? I'll ask, my lord. There's something else, my lord. A man... I didn't know his face. 
He came to ask if I'd testify against you. Said I'd be named Sir Podrick Payne if I told the judges you'd bought a poison called the Strangler. Sir Podrick Payne? That's a nice ring to it. What did you tell him? I didn't tell them anything, my lord. Are you going to accept their offer? My lord. Testifying against me wasn't a suggestion. If they can't tempt you with honey, they'll choose something less sweet. You've been good to me, my lord. Pod, the trial's in a fortnight. They'll want an answer before that. I already gave them an answer, my lord. I will not have you dying on my behalf. Do you hear me? If I have to take that long walk to the executioner's block, I don't want to see your head already mounted. My lord. Pod, I am giving you an order. Go and find my brother. Tell him I need him. Then get yourself out of King's Landing before it's too late. Pod! This is farewell. Farewell. Pod. There has never lived a more loyal squire. Man, that that goodbye between Tyrion and Podrick, it's just so very sad. And one might ask the question how Podrick might react to a return by Tyrion with Daenerys. This issue, of course, could be further complicated by his allegiance to Brienne, who seemingly might ally with Jaime against some kind of invading force. But no matter how you consider that question... The fact that Podrick has saved Tyrion on multiple times and Tyrion is now having to send away his most loyal person in order to save Podrick's life, I guess you could say that kind of makes him even. And the loyalty is something that we can also tie or at least contrast to Shay. While we might be able to have a real debate about Podrick's allegiances post being sent away, Shay's loyalty we know absolutely did flip once Tyrion discarded her. And whether you feel like she took the idea from Bronn or not, it no less made for one of the more tragic ends to an already somewhat tragic relationship. But before we get to that end, we have to start, of course, at the beginning. And in the beginning, like we discussed in the first podcast, Tyrion seemingly only looked for companionship of any kind within brothel houses, and not once, but indeed twice, has fallen in love with a prostitute. The first time because of a lie, this time with Shay by choice. I think we can safely say that Tyrion didn't intend to fall for Shay, but I think we can indeed safely say that he did fall in love with Shay. And most likely because Shay was a representation that his money was not the most important thing to her. At least as time went on, Shay often acted in defiance or in protest of the man who paid her money to be his companion. And yet, more often than not, especially during their time together while he was Hand of the King, showed him a loyalty ever bit as fierce as Podrick's. And I think what drew Tyrion to her was that loyalty, as well as the fact that she was not afraid to speak her own mind to him, to have her own opinion, and to show as much defiance to Tyrion's father's wishes as Tyrion really had himself. But as Tyrion did fall more deeply in love with Shay her irreverence for her own safety and defiance of Tywin became a concern for him, of course. Where did you find one so pretty at this hour? I took her. Took her? From whom? From, uh, Sir 
What's his name? I don't know. Three tenths down. And he didn't have anything to say about it? He said something. Well, who are you? Who would you like me to be? What did your mother call you? Shay. What did your mother call you? My mother died giving birth to me. Is that why I'm here? So we can talk about our mothers? What sort of accent is that? Foreign. For... What do you want from me? What do I want from you? I want you to share my tent. I want you to pour my wine, laugh at my jokes, rub my legs when they are sore after a day's ride. I want you to take no other man to bed for as long as we're together, like it's my last night in this world, which it may well be. And what do I get? One, safety. No one will hurt you for as long as you're mine. Two, the pleasure of my company, which I have heard is spectacular. Who told you this? Women you paid? And three, more gold than you can spend if you lived a thousand years. Do you accept my proposal? Let's start with your last night in this world. Your turn, my mysterious foreign beauty. I don't want to play. It's fun. Look at the fun we're having. Your mother was a whore. Drink. All right. Your father left the family when you were very young, never to return. Drink. And we've established the rules about lying. Drink. Mm. You wanted a different life. You came from somewhere and you wanted to be elsewhere. You wanted to be elsewhere, but how would you get there? Don't believe the life of the Silent Sisters is for you. So, what's a low-born girl to do? Drink. Are you sure? Drink! And don't talk about my mother and father ever. Or I will carve your eyes from your head. My dear lady, if I have offended you, I apologize. This is where I belong. Yes, well, you need to be careful. No one can know you're here. No one will know. Can't trust anyone in King's Landing. They're all liars. Good liars, bad liars. One or two great liars. What about you? Me? I'm not from here. I'm a slave to the truth. <laughs> True? <laughs> You're the biggest little liar I have ever met. Why do you think I am so little? <laughs> I'm being crushed beneath the weight of all that truth. You won't let me leave this room. You won't Shh. let me... Keep your voice down. Why? You think your father can hear me? He's 300 miles away! I don't intend for you to stay here. I might be able to bring you into the castle kitchens. Again, only temporary. You'd pose as a scullion. Scullion? What is a scullion? Kitchen wench. A kitchen wench? Yes. But... Cleaning pots? Is that how my lion wants to see me? Your lion wants to see you alive. We've come to a dangerous place. My sister wants to hurt me. She'll look for any weakness she can find. She can't know about you. 
I'm the weakness. It's a compliment, my lady. How is being a weakness a compliment? The language can be a bit tricky here. Oh, I'm too stupid to understand. The stupid foreign girl. I am not a kitchen wench. Shay! I've been waiting all night. What is wrong? You're beautiful. <laughs> then why do you look sad? We have to be more careful. Don't be afraid. I can take care of myself. There are people who want to hurt me. I know. I won't let them. I cut off their faces. I will. <laughs> I would kill for you. Do you know that? I, I expect I'll have to before this is over. You're mine. I'm yours. <laughs> Promise me. I'm yours, and you're mine. My love. It was good of you to come. Good of me. Of course I come. I want to see you. Believe me, you don't. Have you looked? I will be the first. Well? You are a mess. I'm a monster, as well as a dwarf. You should charge me double. You think I'm here for money? That was the arrangement we made. I pay you and you lie to me. Oh, I'm a poor little rich man and nobody loves me, so I make jokes all the time and pay them to laugh. Let's leave. Leave? Leave King's Landing. They tried to kill you, they will try again. Going into wars, fighting soldiers, you're terrible at this. Let's take a boat to Pentos and never come back. You don't belong here. What would we do in Pentos? Eat, drink, live. I want to go with you. So do it. Your father, your sister, all these bad people, they can't stop you. Forget about them, come with me. I can't. I do belong here. These bad people. What I'm good at. Out talking them, out thinking them. It's what I am. And I like it. I like it more than anything I've ever done. Are you going to leave? You have a shit memory. I am yours, and you are mine. <laughs> As you can see, Tyrion, while I do believe that he loves Shay, did not make her his ultimate priority. She'd asked him to run away with her, yet his desire for power and to play the game 
did, in fact, become more important than anything else for him. This is an indication of what seems to be a root weakness for almost all Lannisters, pride. And we're going to examine that further as we go along. But for now, there came up a further complication for Tyrion and Shay, and that would be Sansa Stark. Shay was, of course, very protective of Sansa from the very beginning of the relationship right up to the end. Yet when Tyrion was forced by his father to marry Sansa, Shay did become jealous of Sansa to a degree, but more so jealous of Tyrion's time being consumed by the power that he had and wanted to gain, as opposed to time being spent with her. Have you ever been a handmaiden before? Yes. For whom? Lady Zorif. Lady Zorif. There is no Lady Zorif in this city. She wasn't in this city. Well, I don't know how they did things in that city, but in this city, handmaidens wait on ladies, not the other way around. And I don't have time to answer a thousand questions and teach you how to do your job. Do you want me to leave? Just brush my hair. My lion. We've spoken of this. You cannot come here. But you said I should come to you with any problems. Did anyone see you? No. You sure? My father does not make idle threats. Having you killed would be the high point of his week. You have to be absolutely certain. All right. What is this problem? I'm worried about Sansa. When she spoke with Lord Baelish, his friend warned me about him. Baelish doesn't have friends. I don't know her name. Oh, Rose, the redhead? How do you know her? I try to know as many people as I can. Never know which one you'll need. But since I've met you, my lady, I've been with no one else. What did she say about Littlefinger? That Sansa shouldn't trust him. Is there an idiot in any village who trusts Littlefinger? We have to protect her. We can't. Now that the Lannisters have discarded her, Sansa will have many suitors. A great beauty with a very old name. Great beauty? Oh, a great beauty? Yes, she is. Objectively, very. Her face is quite pleasing to other men and to women, people in general. But not to me, of course. I only have eyes for you. You pervert. You want her? This child! I don't even want to talk about her. But you are! Only because you're making me. <laughs> I didn't force you to open your mouth and make words come out. This is cruel and unfair. Cruelly unfair. Oh, the cruelty. She is so cruel to me. Golden chains. You could buy a ship with these. Do I need a ship? What? Am no, I going I'm... somewhere? Of course you're not going anywhere. So, am I invited to your wedding? I didn't ask for this marriage. I didn't want it. No. She's a beautiful girl. You said so yourself. That doesn't mean... Th this is duty, not desire. Is that what you will tell yourself? Don't have a choice. My father... Does not rule the world. 
We can still go across a narrow sea. What would I do there? Juggle? I am a Lannister of Casterly Rock. And I'm Shay the Funny Whore. My feelings for you have not changed. I will marry Sansa Stark and do my duty by her. I will buy you a good home somewhere in the city. You will have fine clothes, guards to keep you safe, servants. Any children we might have will be well provided for. Children? You think I want children who can never see their father, who would be killed in their sleep if their grandfather found out about them? Listen. Listen to me, my lady. I'm not your lady. You are. You'll always be my lady. I'm your whore. And when you are tired of me, I will be nothing. But when it came down to it, Shay simply couldn't find a way to leave Tyrion. She was loyal, despite him trying to show her Tywin would kill her. And despite one effort from Varys and Tyrion's own sending Shay away. You will go to King's Landing. And do what? Rule. You will serve as Hand of the King in my stead. You'll bring that boy king to heel and his mother too, if needs be. And if he gets so much as a whiff of treason from any of the rest, Baelish, Varys, Pycelle... Head spikes walls. Why not my uncle? Why not anyone? Why me? You're my son. Oh, one more thing. You will not take that whore to court. Do you understand? Go. Now, one more thing. The next whore I cut in your bed, I'll hang. You've been a good influence on our mutual friend, you know. He used to drink from sundown to sunup, visit three brothels a night, gamble away his father's money. Now it's just the drinking. And now I'm his wife's servant. I brush her hair and clip her nails and empty her chamber pot. She is a sweet young thing. None of this is her fault. I love that girl. I would kill for her. Do you think that makes it easier for me? No. I expect not. She's young and she's beautiful and high-born. We break bread with them, but that doesn't make us family. If you let yourself believe that a foreign girl with no name could spend her life with the son of Tywin Lannister... I have a name. You have one name, as do I. Here, only the family name matters. What do you want from me, Lord Ferris? Tyrion Lannister is one of the few people alive who can make this country a better place. He has the mind for it, he has the will, he has the right last name, and you... You are a complication. I know you love him, and I know it's true love, not bought by gold and silver. I'm not asking you to leave him for money. I'm asking you to leave because your presence in the capital endangers him. This will never be your home, my lady. Find a true home somewhere far from here. 
while there's still time. Lord Ferris. If he wants me to leave, he can tell me himself. My lion. What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? Come here. How many times have I told you? You can't visit me I here. I know, I know. We have come to a dangerous place. Have you forgotten me? Do you know how long it's been? Of course I haven't forgotten. I want you. Don't you want me? Things are a bit tense right now. What things? My nephew the king wants to murder me. My wife hates me because my father murdered her family. Oberyn Martell wants to murder everyone whose last name is Lannister. You need to relax. Don't you want to relax? What's wrong? I told you, it's not a good time. It's never a good time. You have your child bright now. Shay. Do you love her? Love her? I barely know her. She's a child. She despises me. That's not an answer. Of course I don't love her. You tried to ship me away. Ship you away? Give me diamonds and make me disappear. What in the world are you talking about? If you want me to leave, just say it. Say it! Shh. I don't know what you're talking about. You want me to stay? has been noticed. Sansa's maid saw you with her. She already told your sister. It's only a matter of time before your father hears. So I'm guilty of being seen with my own wife's handmaiden. My father will ask you if there's anything more and you'll tell him some clever lie. No, I will not. How long do you imagine your father and sister would let me live if they suspected me of lying? I have no pet cell sword to protect me, no legendary brother to avenge me. Only little birds who whisper in my ear. Forgive me if I don't weep for you. No one weeps for spiders or whores. I have friends across the sea who could help her. She won't leave. I've told him this is a dangerous place so many times she no longer believes it. Your father has promised to hang the next whore he finds you with. Have you ever known your father to make an idle threat? She's the whore I told you about. The dark head. Have I brought to the Tower of the Hound before the wedding? Wrong, my lion. Don't call me that. What should I call you? I'm afraid our friendship can't continue. Our friendship? There's a ship waiting in the harbor bound for Pentos. What? You'll have your own cabin, of course. And across the narrow sea, a house. Servants. What is this? Married man. My wife has suffered a great deal, as you well know. I don't want her to suffer any more on my account. I need to uphold my vows. She doesn't want you. I need you don't to do want right by her. her, by our children. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid. You are. You are afraid of your father and your sister. You're going to run from I them need all you your to life. Leave. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not going to run she... from them. We'll fight them together. It's like you said. I am yours and you're mine. You're a whore! 
Sansa is fit to bear my children, and you are not. I can't be in love with a whore. I can't have children with a whore. How many men have you been with? Five hundred? Five thousand? How many whores have you been with? I've enjoyed my time with all of them, and I have enjoyed my time with you, most of all. But now that time is over. Comfortable life in Pentos. Bron will escort you to your ship. <laughs> so, instead of just leaving, because she was hurt deeply by Tyrion's ultimate rejection, which was for her own safety and was done harshly only to convince her to leave, she instead ultimately parlayed that hurt into revenge against Tyrion by testifying against him at his trial, creating one of the more hurtful betrayals that Tyrion has ever experienced. This man stands accused of murdering King Joffrey. What do you know of this? I know that he's guilty. He and Sansa planned together. Silence! Continue. She wanted revenge for her father, her mother, her brother. She blamed their deaths on the king. Tyrion was happy to help. He hated Joffrey. He hated the queen. He hated you, my lord. He stole poison from the Grand Mesa's chamber to put in Joffrey's wine. How could you possibly know all this? Why would he reveal such plans to his wife's maid? I wasn't just her maid. I was his whore. I beg your pardon? You said you were his... His whore. How did you come to be in his service? He stole me. I was with another man a knight in your lordship's army. But when Tyrion arrived at the camp, he sent one of his cutthroats into our tent. He broke the knight's arm and brought me to Lord Tyrion. You belong to me now, he said. I kissed him where he wanted, I licked him where he wanted. I let him put himself where he wanted. I was his property. I would wait in his chambers for hours so he could use me when he was bored. He ordered me to call him my lion, so I did. I took his face in my hands and said, I am yours and you are mine. Please don't. I am a whore. Remember? That was before he married Sansa. After that, all he wanted was her. But she wouldn't let him in her bed. So he promised to kill King Joffrey for her. Father, I 
to confess. You wish to confess? I saved you. I saved this city and all your worthless lives. I should have let Stannis kill you all. Tyrion! Do you wish to confess? Yes, father. I'm guilty. Guilty? Is that what you want to hear? You admit you poisoned the king? No. Of that I'm innocent. I'm guilty of a far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. You are not on trial for being a dwarf. Oh, yes I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. Have you nothing to say in your defense? Nothing but this. I did not do it. I did not kill Joffrey, but I wish that I had. Watching your vicious bastard die gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. I wish I was the monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. Zimmerin! Zimmerin, escort the prisoner back to his cell. I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder, and I know I'll get no justice here, so I will let the gods decide my fate. I demand a trial by combat. I made a deal for you. To keep your ungrateful head on your ungrateful neck a little while longer. I'm sorry, what am I grateful for? The opportunity to live and die at the wall as punishment for a crime I did not commit. You threw your life away. You threw it away. It's not a joke. You understand that, don't you? Of course it's a joke. Just not a very funny one. I couldn't... I couldn't listen to her. Standing there, telling her lies. I couldn't do it. You fell in love with a whore. Yes, I fell in love with a whore. And I was stupid enough to think that she had fallen in love with me. That deal you made. It was everything Father wanted. You do see that. He gets you back as his heir. The future Lord of the Rock. And he ships me off to Castle Black, out of sight at last. All so perfect. It felt good to take that from him. He knows I'm innocent, and he's willing to sacrifice me anyway. He's willing to sacrifice any of us. Not you! You're the golden son. You could kill a king, lose a hand. At least I got to tell them what they really are. Yes. Brilliant speech. They'll be talking about it for days to come. I thought you were a realist. Didn't realize you'd die for pride. And as you heard in that conversation between Jamie and Tyrion, this is where pride rears its ugly head yet again. Shay had at one point pleaded with him once again to leave, and he said no. He wanted to play the game. And that is Tyrion's biggest pride weakness his ability to play the game. Pride because he had been beaten 
at that game by his father and his sister through the testimony of Shay, pride shaken because the one person that he had trusted came back to betray him. And that, of course, ultimately sets Tyrion on a further spiral, which will lead to an even more hurtful betrayal. His brother refuses to fight the mountain for him, of course, and his champion comes from the most unlikely of places, a person who otherwise probably would have been just fine with Tyrion dying, except for the fact that he wanted his own personal revenge against the mountain, and that is Oberyn Martell. Oberyn's stand does further paint Tywin in a darker light than even Tyrion might have known at the time when Oberyn demands to know who gave the order to the mountain in order to kill his sister Aaliyah. But in the end, the viper falls to the mountain and Tyrion is then left with little hope. The king is very grateful that you traveled all this way for his wedding. Now let us speak truth here. Joffrey is insulted. I am only the second son, after all. Well, speaking as a fellow second son, I've grown rather used to being the family insult. <laughs> Why did you come to King's Landing, Prince Oberyn? I was invited to the royal wedding. I thought we were speaking truth. The last time I was in the capital was many years ago. Another wedding. My sister Elia and Rhaegar Targaryen, the last dragon. My sister loved him. She bore his children, swaddled them, rocked them, fed them at her own breast. Elia wouldn't let the wet nurse touch them. And beautiful, noble Rhaegar Targaryen left her for another woman. That started a war, and the war ended right here. And your father's army took the city. It wasn't actually... They butchered those children. My nephew and niece carved them up and wrapped them in Lannister cloaks. And my sister, you know what they did to her? I'm asking you a question. I've heard rumors. <laughs> so have I. But what I keep hearing is that Gregor gained the mountain, raped Elia, and split her in half with his great sword. I wasn't there. If the mountain killed my sister, your father gave the order. Tell your father I'm here. And tell him the Lannisters aren't the only ones who pay their debts. It doesn't matter, she told us. Everyone says he will die soon. I hope they are right. He should not have lived this long. Still on his hands, 
before killing her too. I will be your champion. But before we get into the game-changing events that ends Tyrion's time in King's Landing, let's take a look back at Tyrion as Master of Coin. He successfully negotiated a reduction of the crown's cost involving the Purple Wedding, and discovered the crown's significant debt not just to the Lannisters, but also to the Iron Bank of Braavos. And while he might not have been aware of the Lannister mines not being able to produce any more gold, he was likely trying to figure out a way to get the crown out of as much debt at the time as possible. Get Bronn. Tell him I want four of his most loyal gold cloaks outside my door at all times. I'm afraid your friend has been relieved of his command of the city watch. The gold cloaks are now firmly in the hands of your father or your sister. It varies from cloak to cloak. Then my hill tribesmen have gone home. Your father paid them quite handsomely. I'm afraid we won't be seeing each other for some time, my lord. Don't want to swim too close to a drowning man. And I thought we were friends. We are. Podrick, would you mind? There are many who know that without you, this city faced certain defeat. The king won't give you any honors. The histories won't mention you. But we will not forget. Far be it from me to hinder true love. But Lord Baelish's absence would present certain problems. The royal wedding may end up being the most expensive event in living memory. Summer has ended. Hard days lie ahead. Not a good time to leave the crown's finances unattended. Fully agreed. Which is why I'm naming you new Master of Coin. Master of Coin? It would appear to be a position that best suits your talents. I'm quite good at spending money, but a lifetime of outrageous wealth hasn't taught me much about managing it. I have no doubt you will prove equal to this challenge. Here, here. Any advice for me on my new position? Keep a low profile. If I had a gold dragon, Every time I heard that joke, I'd be richer than you are. Well, you are richer than I am. Good point. They're only numbers. Numbers on paper. Once you understand that, it's easy to make them behave. Trivial, even. You want a real challenge? Try horse. I've tried quite a few. Well, lots of work to do. Enjoy the eerie. Come on, I'll meet you later. Go on. Looks like dull reading. You think all reading is dull reading. It's an opinion I share with some of the finest men I know. The secret history of the Seven Kingdoms is written in these pages. What do I owe this summons? Thank you for seeing me, my lady. I had hoped we might discuss a few financial matters. I climbed all those steps to discuss financial matters. It's the royal wedding. I told you I had a hand in planning it. Naturally. It's shaping up to be a very involved affair. The word extravagant has been used. What good is the word extravagant if it can't be used to describe a royal wedding? I understand that. Good. But as master of coin, it 
falls upon me to calculate the cost for the crown. As of now, it's a huge expense. And? And we're at war, Lady Olena. Oh, I nearly forgot. Yes, and maintaining supply lines. I think how it slipped my mind. What is it, 12,000 infantrymen the Tyrell family has supplied? 1,800 mounted lancers? 2,000 in support. Provisions so this city might survive the winter. A million bushels of wheat, half a million bushels each of barley, oats and rye. 20,000 head of cattle, 50,000 sheep. You don't have to lecture me about wartime expenses. I'm quite familiar with them. And we are so grateful for your contributions which are necessary for the preservation of the realm. As is a royal wedding. The people are hungry for more than just food. They crave distractions. And if we don't provide them, they'll create their own. And their distractions are likely to end with us being torn to pieces. A royal wedding is much safer, wouldn't you say? I would. And traditionally paid for by the royal family. I was told you were drunk, impertinent and thoroughly debauched. You can imagine my disappointment at finding nothing but a brow-beaten bookkeeper. Milady. Oh, very well. I won't have it said the house Tyrell refuses to play its part. We'll pay for half the expenses and the celebrations will go on as planned. Is that sufficient? Quite sufficient, thank you. Very good, then. That's settled. Good day. You'll be pleased to learn that after one conversation with Lana Tyrell, I've saved the crown hundreds of thousands on this wedding. Never mind that now. We have something important to discuss. A master of coins. Saving money is important. Wars swallow gold like a pit in the earth. I suppose that explains why we did so well in the last one. Do you know how much gold was mined in the Westerlands this past year? I haven't a clue. Go on. Your best guess. Pounds, tons, ounces. Doesn't matter. The answer's the same. Can't be. Our last working mine ran dry three years ago. Then how do we pay for anything? The Crown owes the Iron Bank of Brothers a tremendous amount of money. How much? A tremendous amount. There must be someone at the Iron Bank you can speak to, come to some arrangement. The Iron Bank is the Iron Bank. There is no someone. Someone does work there. It is comprised of people. And a temple is comprised of stones. One stone crumbles and another takes its place. And the temple holds its form for a thousand years or more. And that's what the Iron Bank is. A temple. We all live in its shadow and almost none of us know it. You can't run from them. You can't cheat them. You can't sway them with excuses. If you owe them money and you don't want to crumble yourself, you pay it back. Vesting the Tyrells in the crown will help a great deal in this respect. While you might say that Tyrion did okay as Master of Coin, we again do not see him in a great detail of practicing the policy. But some of these scenes do pose some interesting questions for pondering. Like, does this mean that the only value of House Lannister that remains is in the name and in the property of Casterly Rock itself? And what could that mean for Tyrion if he and Danny succeed in taking back the realm for the Targaryens? How will the crown pay its debts to the Iron Bank? Another interesting question, which we will explore from Tyrion's side in our feedback, is in regards to Tyrion's earlier interactions with the houses of the Reach and Dorne. 
that he experienced in season three and four. Oberyn Martell fought for Tyrion merely to take advantage of vengeance on the mountain. And the Queen of Thorns has her own chip against the Lannister house, obviously. Not to mention that Tyrion's marriage to Sansa stole a possible seat of power in the north from House Tyrell. So, could the Martell or Tyrell allegiances to Daenerys change due to the fact that she has chosen Tyrion as her hand of the queen? Or even worse, could either of those houses take revenge against the Lannister name through him? Will the fact that he killed Tywin be enough to satisfy the Martells and the Tyrells? And that last question brings us to the last subject for this podcast, Tyrion's final acts in Westeros today, the murder of his former lover Shay and his father Tywin. In the interest of full disclosure, this podcast had already done a complete read of A Storm of Swords before Season 4 aired, so while I was not surprised by the outcome of the television show, I was indeed shocked by these events when I read them in book form. To me, the television show did not make Tyrion's reasoning for even visiting the Tower of the Hand as clear as the books did. Like, the show leaves us pondering, did he really need to confront his father before attempting to escape? I will, however, say that maybe a reveal from the books that was omitted from the television show might still be coming in some way, and it's something that could affect multiple characters. So I won't elaborate in this TV podcast those differences. But what I will say is that, as many of us book readers know, TV Tyrion is much more white hat than book Tyrion. And so, to make this murder of Shay seem probably more plausible, an element of self-defense had to be included. But regardless of that, the shock for Tyrion, that not only had the woman he loved betrayed him in a court, but also in companionship, had to be very hurtful and somewhat unbelievable. But not to totally dismiss the darker side of Tyrion, isn't it possible that he could have stopped at any point in time and merely left Shay unconscious? Perhaps damaged, but not murdered? And yet still, once it was over, his heart sank further, and naturally, he turned to his father with the blame. Tywin. My lion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
The look on Tyrion's face after he gathered himself as best he could from killing Shay told you all that you needed to know. His father had not only betrayed him in regards to his own life, but Tywin was a complete hypocrite when it came to his stance on prostitutes, a stance that Tyrion probably blamed Tywin for as to why he had to kill Shay. But Tywin has always been one to say the most convenient thing to Tyrion when need be. Think merely of the fact of how many times Tywin had used the fact that Tyrion was his son to urge Tyrion to do his bidding, yet at other times chastised Tyrion for the same reason of being his son. The hypocrisy has run through Tywin all along, and even in his last moments. I do hope your savages are going to be of some use, otherwise we've wasted good steel on them. The great hairy one insisted he must have two battle axes. Heavy black steel, double-sided. Shagalax axes. When the battle commences, you and your wildlings will be in the vanguard. The vanguard? Mm-hmm. Me and the tribesmen, on the front lines. They do seem rather ferocious. Ferocious? Braun managed to keep Shaga from chopping off the dead man's cock, which was fortunate. But even still, Ulf is demanding blood money, which Shaga and Gunther refuse to pay. When soldiers lack discipline, the fault lies with their commander. Surely there are ways to have me killed that would be less detrimental to the war effort. There will be no more discussion on the matter. As a reward for your accomplishments during the battle of Blackwater Bay. And when the time is right, you will be given a position fit for your talents so that you can serve your family and protect our legacy. And if you serve faithfully, you will be rewarded with a suitable wife. And I would let myself be consumed by maggots before mocking the family name and making you heir to Casterly Rock. Why? Why? You ask that? You who killed your mother to come into the world? You are an ill-made, spiteful little creature, full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my colors, since I cannot prove that you are not mine. And to teach me humility, the gods have condemned me to what you waddle about, wearing that proud lion that was my father's sigil and his father's before him. But neither gods nor men will ever compel me to let you turn casterly rock into your whorehouse. Go now. Shall I explain to you in one easy lesson how the world works? Use small words. I'm not as bright as you. The house that puts family first will always defeat the house that puts the whims and wishes of its sons and daughters first. A good man does everything in his power to better his family's position, regardless of his own selfish desires. Does that amuse you? No, it's a very good lesson. Only it's easy for you to preach utter devotion to family when you're making all the decisions. Easy for me, is it? When have you ever done something that wasn't in your interest, but solely for the benefit of the family? The day that you were born. I wanted to carry you into the sea and let the waves wash you away. Instead, I let you live. And I brought you up as my son. Because you're a Lannister. 
here. Put down the crossbow. Who released you? Uh, your brother, I expect, he always had a soft spot for you. Come, we'll go and talk in my chambers. This is how you want to speak to me? Hmm? Shaming your father has always given you pleasure, hasn't All it? All my life, you've wanted me dead. Yes, but you refused to die. I respect that, even admire it. You fight for what's yours. I'd never let them execute you. Is that what you fear? I'll never let Ilin Payne take your head. You're a Lannister. You're my son. I loved her. Who? Shay. Not Tyrion. Put down that crossbow. I murdered her. With my own hands. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She was a whore. Say that word again. And what? You'll kill your own father in the privy? No. You're my son. Now, enough of this nonsense. I am your son, and you sentenced me to die. You knew I didn't poison Joffrey, but you sentenced me all the same. Why? Enough. We'll go back to my chambers and speak with some dignity. I can't go back there. She's in there. Are you afraid of a dead whore? acts of murder here may be considered justifiable by some viewers, just as they might consider Arya's murdering of Marin Trant and Walder Frey justifiable. The acts are still murder. Do we look on these murders by Tyrion with any more favor than we do on the acts of, say, Gregor Clegane killing Oberyn's sister and her children, or Alaria and the Sand Snakes killing Marcella, or Littlefinger killing Liza? or any of the countless other murders we've seen on this show? Remember that Tyrion had mentioned at this point in time that Sansa wasn't a killer yet. Now, even she has allowed Ramsay to be eaten alive by his dogs. But how you judge Tyrion at his lowest point in his life here is up to you. 
But in the meantime, he's escaping to Essos with the help of Varys, who incidentally would not have gone with Tyrion if he had been able to get back to the Red Keep before the alarm bells were rang. And what does that say about what Varys had originally planned for Tyrion, as he had put to Shay when he tried to buy her away? We're going to explore those issues when we conclude our three-part series on Tyrion next time in Part 3, Hand of the Queen. Feedback is next. Feedback. It's been a long podcast, and I just have one email here. This one from Shadowcat Bex. And this is uh, in regards to Tyrion's future, as we were talking about earlier in this podcast. Shadowcat Bex says, Hi, Matt. I know the Tyrion TV podcast is coming up. Just wanted to give you one of my thoughts. So in the show, Danny binds her allegiance with Dorne and House Tyrell. But we know that Alaria and the Sand Snakes assassinated Marcella and Lady Olenna framed Tyrion for Joffrey's death. So what's going to happen when, and it's a when, not if, Tyrion figures both of these things out? Show Tyrion is super practical and knows the price of war, but this is a great potential for the show to develop the dark Tyrion that we see in the books. In my opinion, Tyrion will turn against Dorne and the Sand Snakes and keep the alliance with Olenna. But I think in the long run, Tyrion will serve the cold dish of vengeance to the Lady Olenna in the very end. It should be interesting to see where Dave and Dan take Tyrion this season. All right, and thank you, uh, Shadowcat Bex, for that great email. I, you know, considering it from Tyrion's point of view, yes, you would think that he would eventually figure that stuff out. The question is, is what would make for a bigger tragic end? Is it the fact that the Sand Snakes take uh, Tyrion out or Lady Olenna takes Tyrion out? Or is it the fact that Tyrion takes them out at some point? I mean, we all like Tyrion. We want to see Tyrion survive. Um, But is he any longer for the world than any of the rest of them? It's a great question to ponder. Like I said, I don't really know if I have any uh, theories. I don't really like theorizing anymore. I I just don't. I I feel like um, I can speculate. I can't put out a theory, but I can speculate. But I thank you very much, Shadowcat Bex, for posing that question for us to consider and for all of our listeners to consider as well. And folks, that's going to do it for this particular podcast, Winterfell. Thank you so much. Next week, it is Tyrion Part 3, the final of the Tyrion series. We will then have a two-part How the Television Show Has Affected a Song of Ice and Fire book series. That will be with Bubba and Kelly and Susan and Stephanie. And then we will probably take a two-week break because I'm going to be very busy touring. Uh, But we will have, when we return, Donald to talk about the White Walkers and then a series on Littlefinger. Haven't figured out whether it's going to be one or two podcasts yet, but we will definitely have an episode looking at TV Littlefinger for you. Thanks for listening. Here's all of my contact information presented to you by W. Axel Foley on Twitter from the Small Council Podcast. Take care. You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash winterfellpod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, 
or by calling the listener line, 314-669-1840.